Hello, everybody, and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don, as usual. Today, we're doing a little bit of a makeup episode. We missed our usual Monday release, and uh, we're getting you guys this episode now. And uh, we're just going to be kind of talking about a bunch of different things that have been going on lately. There's sort of been like a big, uh, I don't know, just a lot of things going on in the news and and stuff that's just happened recently. So uh, I don't know, we'll we'll just kind of like go around the horn uh, and hit all these different topics. Um, The first one that I thought we would get to is the uh, death of a great patriot, John McAfee, Mm -hmm. um, who I feel... I mean, we did that Bob Avakian episode just on the Patreon and kind of talked about how we like these kind of like weirdo uh, sort of like grifter types a little bit. And I mean, I don't know who embodies that more than this guy. So, yeah, you know, rest in peace to him. I actually don't know almost anything about him. I only know him from like what I've observed from what other people have said kind of in the last week or so. Like I, I saw a post of his that I thought made him look like a jackass. So I just blocked him like years ago (laughs) and uh so i didn't really i didn't really ever follow when people even like if i was listening to pods about it or something like that i just kind of tuned out a bit because i didn't i don't know uh but yeah i guess uh he had a very colorful ideas about life i don't know so yeah yeah definitely i mean so everybody knows mcafee virus like antivirus protection software right so Mm -hmm. that was like his first big uh claim to fame um, but I don't know. I, I read his Wikipedia page just kind of like brush up on my lore here. Uh, so he was a uh, British American, was born in the UK, had a American father, British mother. The uh, the father was a alcoholic and abusive and uh, killed himself when when uh, John was 15. And I feel like that just sort of is like a good backstory or like an okay. origin story for this superhero that we have here um he was very successful in school got a bunch of degrees in math um got hired by nasa uh working on the apollo program then he went on to a bunch of different software companies things like that Mm -hmm. he uh he helped design the xerox operating system which i feel like already kind of like that's one of the worst if anyone's had to try to deal with like a a Xerox machine, like the operating system is just horrendous. So, like, oh, really? <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the same thing with like photocopiers, uh, you know, big printers, any of those kinds of things. They're just, you have to push so many buttons. It's never clear what you're doing and why something isn't working and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't specifically responsible for that exactly, but him having that history and then going on to uh, the McAfee antivirus software i feel like that's uh makes a lot of sense yeah i think for uh business machines and things like that for many many years like any sort of operator in that field really hated anything being upgraded or anything like that too or being changed like they needed to know how to do it it was so important to the work they were doing day to day that like uh yeah i think the idea that like things had to be constantly updated and sort of cutting edge is sort of relatively new like maybe last 10 maybe 20 years or something maybe about 10 because i think that like i think i've heard many stories of that of like different offices uh in financial sector just having like uh machines running on ancient code and Mm -hmm. just a half broken computer that they use to do everything and stuff and i think i think uh we had a friend that um was involved in a lot of that kind of stuff and uh 
I think that it's it's more recent that they've kind of gone the other direction and just like thrown enormous amounts of money into, you know, upgrading everything and making it so that it's like instant and all that and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the cloud is kind of responsible for that now that a lot of these computers and everything are connected to the internet or connected to other computers in some way. There's like this need to to constantly update it to kind of keep up with, you know, whatever possible threats there are out there but a lot of stuff that like the military and everything use like that are like really very sensitive you know missile programs and that kind of stuff they're still running on things that like require floppy disks to boot and all this kind of stuff like it's really really old yeah and uh you know isolated from the uh from like the broader web of computers Mm -hmm. um but anyway so from there he is Signed to the Booz Allen Hamilton firm. He worked uh, for them from 1980 to 1982. And that kind of gets my spidey senses going. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, That's a very, like, uh, spooky, like, CIA front sort of a uh, firm. Like, if you want to, you know, look into it or whatever, you'll see that they have a lot of stuff uh, involving, like, surveillance data collection all that kind of stuff going back many years they have a lot of different offices in interesting places in the middle east and all this kind of stuff so i don't know just kind of an interesting history this guy has Mm -hmm. edward snowden also worked for them just as oh yeah an aside he he uh so mcafee he uh he claimed to have some sort of like dead man switch or something right that there's supposed to be stuff released when he dies or something or I don't know if that's uh, true. I don't know but... if he claimed it, but that is an idea that's floating around. I'm, I'm pretty now, sure yeah. he did, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen any evidence that that's true. So, anyways, but yeah, we'll get. If you want to continue on the timeline, is that is there more? Uh, sure. I mean, I didn't want to do like a whole deep dive on this or anything, but yeah. Then you know, from there, he go- gets into uh, making his own company, McAfee Associates. This is where he creates the first antivirus software for consumers. And, uh, you know, anyone who's had to deal with this, which I imagine is like most people, it's a huge pain in the ass, right? Like it's just hogs all your resources. It's impossible to uninstall. It's basically a virus in itself. Yeah. Um, It's just like, I don't know. It's such a perfect like representation of this guy's personality. Like, and no one knew that this like crazy person was behind this thing at the time. So I thought that was just great. Like Mm -hmm. 10, 20 years later, you find out that the guy behind the McAfee antivirus software that everybody hates is exactly the kind of person like he's like that software incarnate, you know? Sure. Um, So he got big into like cryptocurrency, a bunch of weird like startups. Um, I think he was into something like around airplanes, like, uh, you know, just all these like bizarre sort of little things that are clearly like he's scamming somebody, but it's not really clear who, you know? And, um, I think at one point he claimed he hadn't paid taxes just openly. He said like, I haven't paid taxes since 2010. And then he was like on the run, uh, living in Belize. Supposedly he killed a guy, but he claimed that like this was the FBI or something trying to kill him and they killed his neighbor instead. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, he was behind some kind of big crypto scam where he like, did like a i don't know something where he just like rug pulled a bunch of people and ran off with the money hmm yeah 
I don't know. It, it's it, it seems I guess people rush to where the hype is or something. Maybe that's just a standard thing. But like it does seem like a lot of uh, the cranks are involved in cryptocurrency right now. I don't know. That just seems like oh yeah or like oh, well, it, just like it's e- very easy to like run your scams. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess because it's like poorly understood, but like seen as an easy way to make money and stuff and that's that's always going to attract a lot of people so yeah yeah it's really easy to like uh get people to buy in something before it's released to like the market so to speak and then like you just kind of you're holding all these things and all this all this retail money rushes in and then you just sell it to them and it goes to zero and you just made out a bunch of money without like absolutely zero investment you know Mm -hmm. It's purely just like, oh, this is a poopy coin or whatever. And then, you know, people are like, oh, man, that's going to be huge. You just kind of get get a few news articles out there or whatever. You get the hype built and then uh, that's all you need. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so he was also a libertarian. He ran as a presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party on two occasions, I think. Oh, like um, I, he ran for the nomination. He didn't win the nomination, I don't think. But yeah, he just ran. Oh, sure. Yeah. For that, it. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big into like all the civil liberties, especially drugs. He was big on drug use and decriminalizing drugs. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, didn't like taxes, obviously. It was a yeah. big thing too. So mm-hmm. yeah, I know. Classic patriot, you know. That's actually, it's funny. I, I mean, anytime that like people are exposed to either, like the either if taxes are a possible way that they can be taken down or something like that, a lot of these people get really heavily invested in like anti-tax activism in different ways and stuff. So like, uh, I always think of like the Scientologists are really big on this kind of stuff. Like they, they helped promote things like a national sales tax to get rid of uh, the IRS so that the IRS couldn't audit uh, Scientologists. So like that's, I don't know. There's a lot of that. I mean, it's not just Scientologists. I mean, that's just a standard basic conservative strategy of trying to get rid of the IRS in different ways so that they don't go after people. I mean, the way that they've done it, it has, it has kind of succeeded in some ways. And that's the way that they've done it is by, uh, you know, defunding the inspectors basically. Right. So the inspectors mostly go after poor people now. And there's actually, I mean, there's a good reason why, uh, not not like, uh, okay, there's an understandable reason why that would be the case, just because it, it's very, very easy for a working class person to just put like, I have two kids when I have one kid, because it's, uh, or something like that, you know, like there's, there's lots of ways that people think, and it's not like a, a well-planned out crime or anything like that kind of thing. It's just more of a, you're looking at your tax bill and all that kind of stuff, whatever, as like a, and you're like, oh man, I got to. Or you like, I can like just press one button here or whatever, you know, and I get like a few hundred dollars more back or something like that kind of thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people do that because the the information and uh, education around taxes are so, is so pretty, you know, it's pretty limited that like a lot of people think that there's just an easy win there kind of thing. And so I understand why they, they do do a lot of inspections like that, just because numerically there's a lot more people that fit into that category than that fit into like our billionaires kind of thing. Right. So, right. But, uh, yeah, so that's been a big kind of scandal lately, I guess in the United States. So I always find it funny, like politicians 
when they're in opposition or like they got to have to fudge their numbers or anything like that, they always say, we're going to collect taxes a lot better and that we're like going to go after the big tax sheets and that we're going to make sure that like, you know, it's just a standard thing that people say and they always use it as like a way of kind of padding their numbers. And uh, it's funny because it never works really. Like it never pans out, I guess. Like at least it never pans out to the point where they're like, here's a success that we made, you know, we did collect more or something like that. I don't know. I, I find that it's just a funny kind of thing that happens, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the tax system just doesn't really make sense from like a, from a position of like trying to do the job that it's ostensibly supposed to do. Like it just is like the most inefficient, ridiculous way to try to like having people report their own thing and fill out the, all these forms and stuff, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and it's it, this is actually it's it's the same kind of thing as the antivirus software to some extent in the way that the people that make all that software for taxes and stuff are I mean this is well known but it's like just a total they have like very very big influence in Washington D.C. and stuff and they're just like you know they they make it so that the tax system basically they they create that position for themselves of being like an intermediary between taxes and the and the public like the right. both both the accounting for average people but also like just different uh software packages and tax offices and all that kind of stuff like it's such a big industry that stuff like uh stuff like the government automatically sending you you know just automatically basically you know, taking off taxes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it does to some extent within the with with holding system and stuff. But like the idea of the government basically saying, "Okay, we did your taxes for you based on your demographics and all that kind of stuff," uh, which for the vast majority of people would be fine. You know, like maybe you should you can choose to file if like it would make more money for you or something like that kind of thing. You know, but like uh, if if they made it so that like ninety five percent of people didn't have to worry about it and only had to submit maybe a few documents or something like that would be vastly easier. I think that Matt Brunick has said yeah. that's what it's like in Finland. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think a lot of uh, Europe is like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just makes sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like a lot of the United States is like that in different ways. I mean, Canada is like that probably 90% of the way, but we do have a little bit more of leeway, I think. But like uh United States, it just seems like every industry is like that where there's some bizarre, financial reason that like people get to create middlemen positions for themselves and stuff and right just, just uh i don't know like even like uh antivirus software i don't know like it, it's 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 sort of interesting that it's like this it it's totally it's like it's a very very privatized space if you think about it kind of thing it's like if you think about it it's kind of like it sort of is a crime in a way kind of thing you know like i mean it's crime but it's like it's one of the only where like areas of crime that we it's mostly private that we allow policing for. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's not like the government mm, yeah. gives you an antivirus software or something like that saying like here you go, here's your safe computer or something like that, you know. Right. And, and uh, I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it's it's just uh it's it's funny that you like we got these very, very uh I don't know. I, I mean I haven't had a problem with viruses in a while, but for years there they were really like I don't know if people are old enough to remember that, but like, yeah, just you could get your computer completely wrecked by them all the time and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I think like windows and like, I think the kind of like baked in antivirus stuff has gotten pretty good. Yeah. 
um, you kind of have to like invite them in to really sure uh, get harmed by it anymore. I think. Yeah. Um, so one last thing on McAfee, I guess we could also discuss some of the conspiracy theories around his death, but about his life, one last thing I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, he's a libertarian. He goes into exile, like he's running his campaign from exile in, uh, 2019, uh, when he, his wife and four campaign staff are indicted for tax related felonies. Um, and then he says he's in international waters and that he was going to go to Venezuela um, and then later tweets that he's going to move his campaign headquarters or they have that his campaign headquarters has been relocated to Havana, Cuba, where and then he ends up defending Che Guevara on Twitter um, and talking about, you know, how great Cuba and the revolution there is and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know. It's kind of fun that like this libertarian free market kind of guy is more about like. I don't know. It's just like whoever his, his friends are at the time, you know, he's sure. just like, these people are the best, you know? Yeah. Um, from there he get, goes to Belize and Belize is happy to kind of like host him as long as they're like paying him or paying them. Like they're basically asking for cash in order to, for him to live there and not like be harassed and stuff. Sure. Um, and he says like, no thanks. And he ends up just kind of like, buying his own police force from like he just puts one together uh from like local you know belizeans gets them all like equipment and everything and kind of creates his own like personal police force and stuff so Mm -hmm. i don't know just like crazy stuff man sure and what's your opinion on the if he killed himself or not i don't know that's like a most people seem to be saying that it was basically a troll of him saying that if i die it's not my fault kind of thing and that yeah so he had gonna... said things like that like you know well in advance of anything like this happening right like mm-hmm. a year and more prior i think he said it on the alex jones show or something or mm-hmm. they showed the clip on the alex jones show um i think he probably did kill himself um mm-hmm. there was also this thing he claimed to do which was like uh that it was some kind of like quantum physics like you know kind of weird woo-woo kind of thing that he apparently believed that uh you know he would like take a gun and like full of bullets and like take it to his head and like pull the trigger and he would like kind of will it to not kill him or something like that okay yeah so maybe that didn't work out this time i don't know yeah he was in a prison cell i guess so he must have i think yeah in spain yeah so he must yeah so basically, he was in Spain in prison, and then Spain agreed to extradite him back to the U.S. for all these uh, tax-related charges and stuff. And then uh, they found him dead. Mm-hmm. And then his Instagram put up a picture that was just like a big Q, yeah. like a little bit later. I guess his wife does not believe that he killed himself. Okay, his wife is sort of. I mean, I would say that she's kind of on the same level as him in terms of uh, worldview and connection to reality. <laughs> okay. So, sure. uh, I don't know. Hmm. Well, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like that uh, thing at the uh, end of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like, uh, is it too, li- too weird to live, too rare to die. Is that it? One of God's own prototypes, a high-powered mutant of some kind, never even considered for mass production too weird to live and too rare to die yeah that's nice reading hunter s thompson in like my late teens early 20s was like i don't know (laughs) i I think it's a common 
experience of uh, yeah i was definitely you know. into hunter thompson pretty heavy sure. mm-hmm. um so yeah i guess i guess that'll wrap it up for the mcafee chats um the other big celebrity news is uh bill cosby hitting the streets mm-hmm. it's funny too i was thinking that like uh so yeah one person that uh was a big sort of defender of his online was uh, Paul Mooney. And so I guess he didn't live to see uh, mm. Cosby get free, but uh, he had like a lot of, if you look at like his old tweets about this kind of stuff, he has a lot of tweets that are like, you know, these women can't get their story straight, that kind of thing, you know, like really, yeah, yeah. really like leaning into it and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, so I don't know. I, but yeah, it, I don't know. It, it's not, it's not a good situation. It's just a, it's just a very, it looks like the prosecutors did a really terrible job kind of thing. So, yeah. Is that why he got out? I haven't really like looked at the story much. Yeah. So the, the basic idea is that they basically said if he, they made it, they made it look like to some extent that if he testified, I mean, if he like cooperated with the civil trials that he wouldn't be charged. Um, and then they charged him anyway. That's mm-hmm. the basic idea, I think. So, it, it it basically they they you know tricked him, and they they thought that I guess they they thought that that this way that it was like a slam dunk that he would get put in prison because it would just you know he, it was just be so clear that he was guilty kind of thing. But because they did that, I guess like they they said you can't hold him because uh, you know you. Uh, destroyed all his rights to do that kind of thing so it's it, that's just a total clusterfuck kind of thing you know so yeah yeah i honestly i didn't really follow the initial case or anything really closely so i don't really know what the evidence or whatever was i mean obviously there was like it was like 60 women or yeah, something but yeah i i think he was I saw a clip and it said like he he was guilty found guilty on all three charges so maybe they only prosecute him for three of those or i'm not sure but yeah i don't know but yeah i don't know it's a i don't know i mean we kind of if you think of it like it's been like a few years since the whole me too thing geared up and Mm -hmm. uh we're sort of on the other side of it now to some extent where i don't know like all of these things have happened where uh they've been unraveled in different ways and stuff kind of thing you know like uh or at least like it, it seemed like for a bit that there was going to be just like a giant wave of like people getting in trouble for past problems and stuff. And, and, uh, it does seem like now, like, I don't know, like, like, like as, as if Hollywood basically in general, like it's, it's back to business as usual kind of thing. So I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of like they feel like, well, we did our part, you know. We washed yeah. our hands of all this stuff. So, yeah. Back to business as usual. I think everyone got really excited about it for a minute and uh now that that's over, it's like, okay, well, good thing we got those bad guys out of here and now all the good clean fun can continue. Yeah. There's been a lot of those like celebrity causes over the last year or two where mm-hmm. things just flare up and become the most important issue of all time uh i was thinking like do people still i mean i still see stories about it here and there but like what happened to like stop asian hate kind of stuff you know <laughs> like or whatever like it just it just completely disappeared off the radar really of like the protest kind of stuff or whatever you know like just 
yeah people don't care about that as much anymore i don't know like it it people are like there's like a apocalypse going on of like people getting knockout gamed and then all of a sudden they were like well we don't know we don't know like we don't i don't know i just uh, didn't i don't know it was pretty i think it got kind of awkward when all of these cases were like a lot of the footage that they were releasing was like black people attacking asians and stuff and then yeah. the conservative media got into it and kind of promoting it as like look at this wave of crime in black communities they're all attacking asians and then it was like oh wait whoops uh we you know this is going badly I think enough, like, they got the Mortal Kombat movie out right at the top of that wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, you know, Tony Hinchcliffe got in trouble recently with his uh, opener. I don't know. Did you see that whole no. kerfuffle? He had a, uh Asian comedian open for him who was doing a lot of, like, woke kind of comedy. He talked a lot about this anti-Asian hate stuff. And people were, like, enjoying it, apparently. And so he, you know, follows this guy and he kind of flips it and does like, you know, really like extreme anti-Chinese jokes and stuff. You okay. know, he's, you know, I'm talking about like he was throwing up in the back from uh, Chinese food he ate and all this stuff. And he's going on and on. Um, so he got in big trouble for that. Um, I, mean, I think he's doing fine. He's still doing Kill Tony and stuff. But I, I feel like that was like the, uh, you know, the, the people that were looking to kind of cash out on it and try to like up their career. They made out with it, and so now it's kind of done. Yeah. I've noticed that all the uh, the houses and buildings and stuff around here that like to put those little lawn signs out of, like, hate has no home here and Black Lives Matter, you know, they kind of get on all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, there's a lot of anti-Asian hate, but those have now changed to these little black signs with white text, like just plain, like, aerial font, and it just says, be good to each other. Oh, and really? just everywhere. And it's really odd. Like, it's like everyone has the same signs and they kind of all kind of come and go with in the exact same sort of schedule. I, I don't really, I don't know if this is some political campaign or like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. That, that, that is like very, very American to me because I feel like <laughs> in Canada, we don't have the same thing with like bumper stickers and signs on lawns and all that kind of stuff. Not really. I mean, a bit during the election, they'll be like, party signs and stuff but um, yeah sure for like a month or so but like uh yeah the idea that like you would i don't know even even when like friends of mine have like buttons that say things i don't really like it or whatever kind of thing you know what i mean like like mm-hmm. if it, if a button says like whatever i i still kind of like strangers don't need to talk to you about stuff i don't know like you just i don't know like they like, just don't i don't know so whenever i see that stuff in the united states where like people have like a hillary but like a bumper sticker or something i'm like Ugh, i don't know I, yeah i i've never understood the need to like express yourself in this way yeah like to make other people know that you have these ideas or you care about this or that thing i, I it's one thing if you're trying to like specifically raise awareness about some thing like okay i can understand the motivations there but it's just like i want people to know that i care about this like yeah sure okay yeah i don't know it 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 reminds me of like i think in one time in university they they would like hand out buttons that were like about certain conversation topics or something like that kind of thing like uh you know for like languages and stuff so that like you could get a button that said basically like francais or something like that and or Deutsch or whatever, you know, like, and then, and then you get to, if you see a person with that 
button, then you start chatting with them in German or something like that kind of thing. I kind of get that, but like, sure, I anything beyond that is just like it feels like that except for not on college campus or something like you've got a button that says like instead of francais or something it says like i don't know the post office needs more funding or something and it's like i don't know you just <laughs> randomly i don't know maybe maybe people aren't as antisocial as we are or something so uh, yeah i mean that's probably it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know i feel like these things are turning into twitter bios like some sure. of these lawns just have like six or seven different things and it's it's all like the same kind of like it's like okay we get it you're like really into all this liberal stuff or okay we get it you're like into the the you know it's got an american flag and a vet flag and a you know marine corps flag and all you know all this kind of stuff it's like okay get what you're about like it's just it's just weird to me i don't know it feels like overcompensating for something i'm not really sure Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like sticking it to the other side or something like Everyone thinks they're like really scoring points or something by like being out in public and being like, this is how I feel about it. What do you think of that? You know, and it's just kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. I guess they're imagining the other, the, the, the mean people on the other side, like getting really mad about like, oh, I can't believe he said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It seems silly. Yeah. A lot of those debates seem to be sort of hitting weird walls and stuff like where i don't know just just like i don't know how people have the energy to still care about it to some extent kind of thing in the same way kind of thing like there's all that stuff around like critical race theory that people keep talking about even though it has like no it's just sort of like it's just it's just like i don't know it's like people stood up and were like okay we're gonna just decide to debate this now or something like it didn't it doesn't really seem to have much of a it seems completely like it's it's as if the conservatives and uh, liberals like sit down together and are like, okay, for the next three months we're going to talk about this or something like that. And it's I like, think that yeah. actually happens. <laughs> I, I I literally there's this episode of the Boondocks. You ever watch that show, the no. cartoon? No, but that was that was great. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Um, but there was an episode where they had like Ann Coulter and Al Sharpton kind of like debating on a stage, and they were really like going hard at each other, and then. Uh, they kind of like end the show and they, they both go backstage and they're like, Oh, you were great out there. Like you saw, I'll see you next week. at so-and-so's right. Like they were kind of like yeah, chummy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, um, I heard on Ed Opperman, he's, he kind of talks about Al Sharpton quite a bit. Cause he has like this, I don't know. He, he kind of like personally like witnessed a bunch of stuff and documents about this, but like Al Sharpton was like a receiving money from the Republican party and was like an informant for the FBI and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, I think a lot of these people do sort of, play it just like and tucker carlson too um i read something recently about him how he and like the cnn and msnbc people kind of like collaborate and like they're you know they're basically like co-workers you know like they they work at different places they they have like supposedly like opposing viewpoints on different things and stuff but like really they sort of like know that they uh, it's good for them to kind of line these things up together you know yeah yeah the the fun thing that for me too is that like i've noticed that uh, a lot of these debates there's like two different positions that are sort of the left position um generally and they contradict and if you choose one of them and you're well known online or something like that uh 
people will dogpile you for not choosing the other one. So the example that I keep thinking about when I when I see it is uh, Megan Day, a writer for Jacobin, wrote like an article and, and some stuff about uh, police abolition kind of stuff, whatever, right? Like defund the police. And she wrote this stuff about like how, you know, she was saying it's like a process and that or whatever. And like that, you know, it's uh, it will reduce the budget now or something. And then over time, you get rid of the police eventually once there's like a socialist revolution, all that kind of stuff, right? That is like a very, very standard left position. People got like a lot of people got really angry at her because they were like, we don't mean defund the police as in reduce their funding. We mean get rid of their funding now get rid of the police now and stuff like that, right? But it's funny because I have seen so many people say, if you say that, if you say we're going to get rid of the police now, they say, no, 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 that's a straw man. That is a ridiculous thing to say. If you actually read any of the abolitionist literature, uh, we mean we're going to reduce funding over time. Uh, We don't mean that there's going to be no police tomorrow or something like that kind of thing. Like, it's like there's two groups of people there. I don't even know if they, they might overlap a lot too. I don't even know if like right. they have yeah. like uh, different things and uh, anger at like 10 out of 10. And if you say the one thing, if you said, we're going to get rid of the police right now, people would say you're creating a straw man or whatever kind of thing like that kind of thing, you know, you don't, whatever. And uh, I don't know. I always like that kind of stuck out in my mind. And I think that that's true for a lot of different left positions where it's like, it, it just completely depends on whether or not the person that's advocating it is sort of like in the cool club or whatever and stuff. I think mm-hmm. that's part of it. And uh, it's also almost entirely just like online discourse anyways. Like it doesn't actually relate to like, you know, like it is it, of likely policy outcomes or anything like that kind of thing or anything like that. It's just, it's just totally like, oh, I don't know. I, I try to be charitable with it to some extent and go, okay, well, if I hear this kind of anger, you just kind of have to say it's anger at the police that's justified because the police are not great. And the actual policies and stuff, whatever, is just a way of voicing that anger in different ways and saying that there has to be change and stuff. But at the same time, you kind of have to be like, okay, well, yeah, but it's condescending to say to someone, you don't actually believe what you believe. You're just being angry or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, right. you kind of yeah. have to, you kind of have to say, well, if, if someone says we're going to abolish the police tomorrow because they don't actually stop crime or whatever, that's a big lie. Then you're like, okay, well I have to kind of debate you on that if we want to debate, because it's like, you're saying that. And I don't want to just be like, you're lying or something like that. Cause yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's a very, that's a good way to look at it. I'm not maybe as charitable all the time. I think that, uh, like the the thing you mentioned about, like, oh well, if you actually read this, it's like that's such a stupid. That's like a very common thing now to like say, like, oh well, you have to read this, and I'm not going to do your homework for you. It's like I'm not going to do the homework. I'm, you're not going to assign me homework so that I can <laughs> like have an opinion about whatever issue. Yeah. You know, like that's that's not you're not going to get people on your side by being like okay well you have to do the homework stupid you know like nobody wants to do that like just explain it plainly you know that whole like i'm not here to educate you attitude is really uh 
that I that seems exactly what you are positioning yourself to to be doing, right? Like you're like you have all the answers. That's educating people, but then anyone has any kind of question or whatever, then it's like, well, that's not my job. I'm just here to stand and shout. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. why should we listen to you then? Yeah, you know? I think that I think that once you kind of get into a certain uh, grouping online or something like that, though, that that kind of that kind of shouting really does affect your mental state or something like that, where you're like, oh no. I'm under siege now or something, or my friends are going to think I'm racist or something like that, you know, where they, they, it does have an effect where you can kind of, they can go, get their hooks in or something like that, you know, they can get really, people do get worried that they're like, oh no, I'm like, I have to, I have to say the right party line kind of thing or something. And uh, I think that it is a very, you know, uh, nice feeling once you realize that all that is just pretty much made up like there's no real leverage you know so yeah yeah you just you need to say all the racist things you can <laughs> yeah like a- anything you can think of that way they don't have any uh dirt on you really because you're already sort of like buying buying or i don't know you're like you're already kind of doing it right like so they they can't get you on it because you're like sure. yeah i feel like that works or makes sense mm-hmm um, all right. So another thing that's been going on, uh, I feel like I'm not sure. I kind of was hoping like maybe you had some, we could kind of like compare our situations and maybe some of the listeners could send in, uh, some of their own feedback on this, but like prices of things going up, especially like at the grocery store and maybe gas. I don't drive, so I don't know about that, but I hear that that's getting expensive. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like things are getting expensive. Like maybe that's an inflation thing. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's like a fear right now uh, amongst like, well, conservatives in general, just like, especially the more far right ones are convinced that there's like some massive inflation about to happen or, or currently happening. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's always uh, like, oh, we can't spend on this and that because of inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the, you know, a lot of fears around the deficit and stuff related to that. But like, uh, I, I think that like the sort of like smarty man consensus of people that, I follow seems to be that like there's like a temporary sort of blip that's happening because people are coming out of lockdown and stuff. And because of like certain supply problems and stuff where prices are going up for a bit and then they might sort of level off. Uh, and you know, we might get like a year or two where the prices aren't going up a lot, but, uh, I, I think it's true that like a lot of people are seeing stuff like house prices just seem really, really high. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Stuff like, uh, yeah, I think I think people see it in their everyday lives in a lot of different ways, like, or at least that like life is very expensive for them. Even if like the prices haven't gone up, say on average, people are saying stuff like, you know, like they their health insurance or whatever, like their their costs for getting care or whatever, are really high and stuff, and um, they might be dealing with like student debt again soon and stuff like that or whatever. And um, I don't know, I think people are really the people that are hurting are hurting a lot, I think is part of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. or, or like, you know, but at the same time, there's like this parallel thing where some people are doing really, really well right now on paper, at least because of how well financial assets are doing and stuff like that. Like the stock market over the last year or, or a few years, really other than the collapse kind of like, uh, because of COVID like, or whatever, um, you know, people are making, huge amounts of money off of 
having large retirement funds and things like that kind of thing, you know, or, or people that are in a position where they can, they're ready to sell their house and don't have to worry about buying or something like that right now. You know, if they're like old and moving into a smaller place or something, um, there's lots of people just making huge amounts of money. And it's funny because we, you know, people point this out a lot, but like that doesn't really get into the conversation as much like certain types of assets getting really expensive, like stocks and stuff are is like sort of fine because it's like making people rich and stuff, but it's like, that's not really, I mean, it's still, it's, it, I don't know, like it's, it's part of the picture though, still like you don't necessarily want certain people getting really, really rich in that particular way or whatever, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's weird though. Um, the dollar has been doing really well. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because I guess like, uh, it depends on so many other issues around the, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, it, it might, it might be that all the other countries are just doing worse than the United States kind of thing or something like that kind of thing. Yeah. So sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, or that I think, I think, you know, the United States has kind of become roaring back to some extent from with its economy. So it's like, yeah, it, it might not necessarily be because of like some unique strength in the United States. It might just be that like places like India are in crisis mode and all that or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember our, our true leaders speaking about how there was so much pent up demand and the recovery is going to be great. And yeah. Just wish he could have been here to see it. Yeah. One of the worries I have about this kind of stuff though, is that like, uh, I feel like there is this, uh, people kind of, once this stuff was happening now that like basically for a year or so, the government in the United States and Canada and stuff just didn't care about debt whatsoever. Really. They just took on huge amounts of debt and, you know, uh, financed like huge e e expansion of the money supply and all that kind of stuff like um, to meet the crisis and people were saying like oh neoliberalism is dead we're not gonna we're gonna like you know react to we're just gonna probably coast on this for the next few years or something like that I think that pretty quickly things have dialed back and like you know Biden is funding a lot of his plans through offsets and stuff like through new taxes and all that kind of stuff or like not new taxes as much but like funding from other areas and and redu reduction in spending in other areas and all that kind of stuff so i don't know and that's in canada right now they're getting they're starting to phase out a lot of the unemployment extra benefits and stuff i think the united states is starting to do that to some extent i guess i don't know and uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how that you know once people's supports are starting to get pulled away now, the idea is that because there's such demand for labor right now, then it should just usher people into the labor market. But that's not necessarily going to be the case, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was wondering, like, have you, because I just moved and this area is a little bit, like, wealthier than the previous area I lived in, the I, I can't tell exactly, like, the price differences. Is this because of it's a different grocery store and they just kind of things are more expensive or is it related to the, you know, this whole thing going on with like certain things getting more expensive? Um, or is it maybe both? Like it's hard for me to gauge. It's going to, I think I'm, it's going to take a while for me to really figure that out. Mm -hmm. So I was just wondering, have you noticed like you say groceries being more expensive or anything? Um, I haven't really noticed. No, not like recently. I don't know. Like, a. Um, I feel like 
a lot of things seem more expensive to me than they were a few years ago or something. But I think that, I think it's more probably in things that I just don't personally buy kind of thing. You know, like I know cars have gone mm -hmm. up a lot and I don't, I'm not buying a car right now. So, um, and houses and stuff. I don't know as much about like food and stuff. Food is like an important part of the budget, but I think that like, it's like, it's, it's something that it's much easier, I think, to be flexible about kind of thing, you know, like substitute towards a bit cheaper things and stuff or just eat less or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not necessarily the case that like, uh, that's going to be a huge part of the average person's budget compared to like housing or something, you know? So I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, well, listeners, let me know uh, if things are getting more expensive for you. I'm genuinely curious. I I want to know, like, <laughs> how much do I need to adjust my budget here for groceries? Like, is is the way that I'm spending, like, it didn't quite double, but it was, like, a significant amount more this past oh, yeah. month. And I was just, like, thinking, like, is this the new normal or is this kind of going to go back and normalize a little bit over time or what? So. Yeah, that sounds yeah. more like it's your grocery store, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, right, but I'm also wondering, like, maybe it's a bit of both, you know? I'm not sure, yeah. I mean, if if food prices were going up, they'd go up probably, or, like, in general, if overall food budget, they'd be going up, like, 3 or 4%. They wouldn't be, like, 20 or 30%, so, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know if you saw the Biden tweet about July 4th barbecues. Yeah, that was being, funny. Yeah. Being 16 cents cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Biden. Yeah. Um, all right. And I guess the, uh, the final thing that I have on my little list here is the heat wave going on in the western parts of North America, uh, where my parents live out there in Washington. It was like over 100 degrees for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I know in B.C., where our friend Big Dave lives, it's getting very hot. Yeah. So that's that's not good, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things where people are saying, like, you know, it brings up all of the climate change stuff. Like, people are like, well, why aren't we? Um, I I feel like that is kind of, I don't know. Like, it's 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 sort of like, uh, it sounds kind of doom and gloom to me because, because, uh, I mean, or maybe like, maybe it doesn't, it's not doom and gloom enough kind of thing, because even if the government were like really, really dedicated to fighting climate change at this point, like, uh, it's not like they're going to reverse that or whatever kind of thing. Like if it, if it just like incredible, terrible heat or something like that is going to be more common, it's like, that's just going to be bad for a long time. Like, even if it was like somehow they could stabilize it within 10 years or something like that kind of thing or whatever. Uh, uh, I think it's like one of those things where people are like, well, it adds insult to injury kind of thing that like, it's, it's not only are they allowing climate change to like screw up our lives, but they aren't even planning to fix it kind of thing. Maybe, you know, sure. I think that's part of it. Uh, but at the same time, from the perspective of like someone that like is, is trying to, improve their own life or something like that to me is just, you know what I mean? Like if you, if you're just worried about your own position, then, uh, to some extent, then it's like, well, you got to figure out some sort of solution to this kind of thing. Like it's going to be, you know, I know people are stretched for money and stuff like that, but at some level you just got to like figure out a way how to get air conditioning or something, you know, like, uh, I, for many years, I, I mean, I was in that position for many years. So it's kind of easy for me to I don't know. It's it's easy for, easy for me to say that because I just live with my parents right now. So they've got air conditioning. They got it a few years ago. 
Um, but for most of my life, I would just live in places that didn't have air conditioning. And I would just like, especially once I started gaining weight and stuff, like I would just feel like I was dying in the summer or something like that. Like it would always get very hot for a bit of the summer or something like that. So, um, I would always like, just feel like I couldn't do anything at all. And I kind of look back and I wonder like how much of my, you know, not being able to do things during certain times was attributable to different, you know, health problems or something like that related to that kind of thing. So I get that, but I, I, once now that I've kind of recognized that now, I've just like, I, you know, I don't know. It's like a, it's like mission critical thing is <laughs> like, do not sleep somewhere where it is hot kind of thing or something. Like that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it'd be like, I guess it's almost like a hunger thing or something to me now. It's like, you know, you have to, you have to account for that somehow now that, I mean, that's just the future now. I don't know. I mean, even in the American South, this has already been the case for a while now where, you know, like it, the adoption of air conditioning over time and stuff. I don't know. We've got to figure out some way to like integrate that into our plans because that's the other problem is that not everyone at the same time, the entire world that needs air conditioning can't have it without like a massive increase in power usage and stuff. So we've got to kind of, I don't know. It, it, I guess, yeah, maybe I'm just, I'm agreeing with him at the end of the day that that we, we need to, we need to get a plan together here, folks. I don't know. So, yeah. Well, all I can think of is Canada is probably going to be pretty, you know, do pretty well through climate change. Well, a lot of, a lot of that Northern territory that's all cold and, and not arable or anything that might change. And I'm just thinking like, well, we have a pretty nice military down here in the U S sure. and yeah. they're not using that land right now. So maybe they could share a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, this has become an increasing issue here. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things where 90% of Canadians live within a hundred miles of the U S or something like that. So uh, a lot of that Northern territory, I mean, there's people there, but it's just like, it's very sparsely populated. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, Basically, 90% of Canadians' lives are going to be uh, terrible increasingly over time uh, because we get very, very hot in the summer too. It's not like it's not like we're, you know, like a far north kind of thing where it's like mm-hmm. cool in the summer but really, really cold in the winter like parts of Russia or something. It's like it, it, it can get, you know, I remember times in Toronto where it would be like you know, it could get to like the forties or something like that, like low, like low forties or something. So, um, it's not impossible kind of thing. Like, and, uh, that's I don't like know. upper nineties. Yeah. Or like a hundred around. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the problem is that like, there's, there's people in Canada that are taking the sort of attitude that you're joking about, but are like, you know, leaning into it as like a positive thing kind of thing of like, Oh, look at, look at how much more of our land will be able to be used for uh, exploration of mining and all this kind of stuff, you know? So um, (laughs) I don't know. It gets very cynical very quickly. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was not joking at all. I I think we should evade (laughs) and distribute the Canadian, uh, what what are they called? Labor uh, aristocrats. Sure. In the, uh, you know, the ruins of the, of uh, the U S and, and, uh, have all the uh proletarian americans kind of settle the northern parts of canada Mm -hmm. um maybe talking about invasions uh that will prove very unsuccessful um we haven't talked about donald rumsfeld at all he died oh yeah right 
Yeah, I forgot to put that down. Yeah. And uh, so, I don't know, for a period of time for me, I mean, he's like an apex Donald as well, like one of the best Donalds <laughs> in the world. But like, so, and he died. So that's, that's sad in that way. Every time a Donald died, so that's sad. But like, uh, he, I don't know, I used to hate him like just, just so much. I remember when uh, the exit poll for the 2004 election showed that, uh, what do you call it? Was ahead. Um, Carrie was ahead. Uh, I was like so happy. I just started like cheering, basically, basically going like, you know, I started listing all of the names of all the people that were gone. I was like, Rumsfeld is gone. Wolfowitz is gone. Oh, you know, like Cheney is gone. And and then uh, I went down to the party that we were having for you know, like to look at the results, whatever. And uh, as the night wore on, whatever, it became pretty clear that uh i was an idiot so yeah (laughs) yeah 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 a lot of people are happy about him dying i think it makes very little difference you know the damage is done sure he there was no real justice here so yeah yeah well it i mean if you want to have fun with it uh look up um his uh look up the covers of the reports that he gave to george bush that's always a classic thing he uh he would give him like daily briefings whatever about the Iraq war and stuff and the covers would always be like a picture of like an eagle or like uh you know a picture of like you know troops saluting in the sunset or whatever and stuff you know like stuff <laughs> like that and then it would have like bible quotes on it that were like you know it would always be like stuff about like you know, the wise leader leads his country into war and stuff like that or whatever, you know, like it would, it would, yeah, it would yeah. be very pandering to George W. Bush being like, you know, really, really feeding into the whole idea that it was like an evangelical war. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, when, once you kind of see those things, you're like, oh man, I don't know. It, to some extent, it, it, again, and more proof that Bush was worse, worse than Trump. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i think that's kind of hard to argue and it <laughs> yeah. also kind of goes to show you like they could have tried a little harder with trump i mean look at what they did with with bush you know yeah. they really were like we'll put some pretty pictures on there put some bible quotes on there he's supposed to be like a big christian guy that'll kind of get his attention they didn't do any of that with trump they were just thought they were too good for him you know mm-hmm. yeah so well i mean yeah i think he if they had yeah, I it, I think they did do stuff like that where they would just print out tweets and put them on his his uh, desk, like he would read tweets that way, kind of thing and stuff. Um, well, that yeah, that is true. I, I think they cut things down quite a bit, sure. like to one page and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But and he still wouldn't read it, basically, and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, in some to some extent, that just makes Obama look dumb. You know, like that Obama <laughs> had to sit there working yeah. through like kill lists for terrorists and stuff. He like kind of enjoyed it he said it was in his book i think he said it was like the worst part of his job or something maybe but like no way you know like he would just you don't have to spend hours on it if you didn't want to kind of thing you know so yeah yeah just don't do it you fucking psycho yeah i think like that oh this is so terrible that i have to do like that's crazier to me than like uh just being like an idiot you know yeah and like imagining him just like reading all of like uh newspaper op-eds and stuff being like hmm i guess that is a good idea or you know like actually working on that instead of trump just being like totally just guessing kind of thing and stuff like you could have put a lot less work into it so yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, so I think that'll uh, that'll do it for a little roundup of uh, what's going on lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into the questions. All right. So first question says it's self-evident that cryptocurrency is bad and dumb, but is there any sort of position on it in Islamic theology? Have any sheikhs or scholars or whatnot expressed an opinion on the matter? My instinct tells me that hyper-deflationary or speculative aspects are at least the very fact that it diverts savings from productive investment and useful enterprises seems sort of un-Islamic, if not technically usury. But what do folks with credentials reckon? So we've gotten quite a few questions slash comments coming in about uh, how all these people seem to think that uh, crypto must be haram, right? Like all this kind of stuff. Um, there are... Now, I, I will admit there have been some scholars that have said so, but they are the same scholars who would say that anything that is not gold and silver dirhams, like dinars and dirhams, like exactly according to medieval fic, is not real currency. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go that route, you have to kind of be consistent and say, like, well, then dollars aren't real. You know, any kind of currency that isn't like a gold coin of a certain weight and um, composition is, is a, uh, is haram. Um, that's not the majority view. Um, the, the majority view is that, and by majority, I just mean like the majority of people that talk about this uh, view it the way they view any kind of asset, um, which is to say that it, you can buy it for, you, they treat it as a, uh, like a, a part of your trade inventory. So you can purchase something with the intent to sell it later to make a profit, and that's fine. Um, so that's essentially how it's treated when it comes to things like zakat and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so you do pay zakat on crypto, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's not haram. In fact, even like currency, like trading currency, currency speculation, that's always been halal. Like going back, you know, all the way back. So. Uh, there's there's not really a, a very strong position against it, I would say, unless you're taking that stance of like, this is what currency is. It's it's a gold dinar and a silver dirham, and that's it. And everything else is just something else. So that's that's my understanding. Again, I'm not a I'm not a mufti. This isn't a ruling. This is my understanding of what other people have been saying. Uh, does it have to be like held for any like length of time or anything like that too to make it like an inventory? Or is it just like, you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes uh, people say that like things should be invested for a while to be part of, I guess if it's speculation, just by definition, it doesn't have to be time limited or anything like that. But like, I, I don't know. I just think of like stuff like, you know, it, uh, like is trade supposed to fill some need directly or something like that? Or is it just uh, allowed to be completely just betting on money, betting on other people buying it for more of a price for no reason or something like that. So, yeah, I don't believe that there are any requirements like that. Okay. Um, I, I mean the, the idea that you can profit off of something and then take that and invest it in, you know, these like quote useful enterprises or whatever is, is, uh, you know, if you want to kind of go that route, like you could argue about that. So, yeah, I, I, not every single like economic transaction that you take has to be 
like justified according to like does it meet every virtue in okay. Islamic theology? You know what I mean? Like sure. it, you're, it's more like there's a very broad kind of range of things. That's like this is fair business practices, and then whatever you are making, like what whatever wealth you come into, you should be spending it in this way. It doesn't mean that like you have to kind of like whittle it down to like every single thing always has some kind of like you know fundamentally like it it's uh serving some need or whatever sure yeah so hopefully that was sufficient um i i find like a lot of people just want to hate crypto um i mean I, my initial impression of it was a, the same kind of thing that a lot of people do it's like this is dumb it's obviously some kind of like scam or like bubble thing that's just pointless and i think people just for whatever reason are like quick to find like oh this is clearly bad uh without really like i i'm pretty neutral on it now like i kind of understand what it is as a technology i feel like there are real uses for it um that being said i don't think it's like some kind of i don't think it really fixes any problems in society or whatever you know bitcoin and all this kind of stuff but uh I, I I don't think the whole like, oh, it's boiling the oceans and all that makes any sense either. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's just a thing that uh, maybe I can make some money off of. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, I've lost money on it at this point, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, going going forward, I'm kind of uh, thinking about it that way. OK. Uh, right. So the next one is uh, well, it says, hi, Tom and Don. I had a dream last night where Tom was sick but the pod still needed to be recorded, so Don reached out to me for some reason. Unfortunately, Don regretted his de decision as soon as we started recording, and he realized I had nothing of interest to contribute, so we went swimming at the beach instead. Okay. Uh, anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what the world-slash-society will be like later this century. Will we dissolve international borders and li live under Soros's one-world government? Will we all be living in fascist ethnostates run by hard-right hard grifters? Will we be living in technocratic, decentralized societies with a focus on sustainability and community? Personally, I would like to think better things are yet to come, but I can't shake the feeling that the status quo is so entrenched we will be in the same place socially and politically, but with a hellish, climate-ravaged environmental landscape. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that any time that we sort of predict the future, a lot of the times, obviously, we're just reproducing what we know about the, the present. So I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I know where things are going. But I mean, I think that there's, there's so many forces, I think, in the world, like pushing towards, like a more leftist slash socialist sort of thing, like that is built in that, like, say, you know, 70, 80 years from now, I think that I think it's very likely that at least parts of the economy will be much more socialist uh, in different ways. And, uh, but I think at the same time, yeah, like that doesn't necessarily means that people's lives will be good in different ways. Like we might have a lot of other problems and stuff too. Like, and yeah. Know, and I uh, always like that thing Zizek says about communism. It's like uh, things won't be better, but they will be bad in different ways, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And, uh, I, I don't know, but if I had to like guess, obviously I'd probably just guess that it's going to be very much like today, except, uh, you know, uh, slightly worse. Yeah. Um, my like general impression is that we will 
have more like uh, the like basic industry and stuff will be largely automated. There'll be like less people involved in that. And there will be a lot more people, you know, it, I think you're right that things are moving towards a kind of more socialistic kind of direction in some ways, but I don't necessarily think that means that it's going to be like empowering to working people or anything. I think it's more like the government, like that whole nanny state idea will become more of an actual reality, like where it's just like a state that is supposed to like keep a population A, from revolting so it'll be like heavily surveilled and policed and, and all that and be uh, just alive because the economy doesn't really need these people anymore kind of a thing. Sure. Um, well, it needs them in some respects, but it doesn't so much in terms of like labor. Like there's not that kind of like natural uh, sort of like uh, symbiosis anymore. It'll be kind of like almost uh, artificially <laughs> kind of kept together just to uh, keep things stable. Mm hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that even makes sense, but that's sort of like my impression of what the future is going to look like. Um, I also tend to think like the whole uh, climate change apocalypse kind of thing is probably. Uh, I mean, I, I take it very seriously, but I also tend to think like it's probably not as bad as maybe people are thinking. I don't know. I I feel like. Uh, I don't know. It's just a gut feeling, to be honest. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, and also, uh, um, I think it would be fun to spend time on a beach with all of our listeners. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm open to that idea. Yeah, especially with climate change, it'll be nice and hot, you know. I could like put Nice on, warm waters. Put on a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Have like a tiki bar and stuff, yeah. You can all have some like some virgin pina coladas and stuff. Sure. Uh, so this one is from Dark Donald and Hindu Thomas. Uh, since you have failed to post a regular episode in the past two weeks, the barrier between our worlds is collapsing, collapsing at a faster rate. Soon we'll be, we will be able to cross over and wreak untold horror on your world. Also, what is your favorite pop song? Hmm. This makes me think like what qualifies as pop. Um, yeah, like favorite pop song of all time, or is it like of a new one? Or well, it's, I just I'm I'm not super clear on like where you would how you would define pop exactly. Like I know that's like a, a certain style, kind of like a subgenre of music. But then there's also like well, like if uh, you know like a rock song or a rap song or something gets really popular, then does that count as pop? Um, and then there's like pop you know, pop punk and all that kind of stuff. Like, does that count? Um, the things that pop into my head though, are, uh, the cars, just what I needed. I really like oh, yeah. that song. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, there was a song that Leo reminded me of recently that I really liked it. I think it's from like the sixties or something. Uh, Harry Nilsson, me and my arrow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't even know if that was really, super popular or whatever but it kind of has that like beach boys kind of thing going on so i guess you could call it pop yeah i'll say uh um 99 red balloons yeah that's a good one so or sweet dreams i really like uh New yeah Wave that's a good stuff. one too um yeah that, i mean that kind of fits with pop in my mind so yeah i don't know i'll, I'll say that Sure. Okay. I feel like we gave some good answers there. 
All right. Uh, since Tom likes to repeat U.S. propaganda about China and Syria, does he also like when they entrap, torture, and murder Muslims? Uh, I do not like when they do that. In fact, that's the things that I tend to criticize them about doing. So that's uh, kind of an odd question. I think they mean that you like U.S. propaganda. So therefore you like when the U.S. does that. Well, they didn't write. That's not what they wrote. Oh. So if if, that, if that's what you meant, please write in and clarify. I would be happy to answer this question again. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom, do you think if you had been Muslim when you were in high school, you would have gotten better grades? Uh, if I'd been a good Muslim, yes. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I would have been a good Muslim, so probably wouldn't have changed too much. Although, no, I, I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. That That's basically it. If ha, Being a good Muslim would have improved my grades in high school, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so, Don, this is one about somebody who is concerned that you are having a crisis of faith. Do you, I don't know if you saw this on here. No, I didn't. Do you want to read it? Or? Sure. I mean, I'll read it. You tell me if you want to answer this on the pod or not. Sure. So it says, first, let me say that I don't mean this as criticism, and I apologize for the unsolicited advice. It truly seems like you are having a crisis of faith. I don't mean to speculate, but... From what you've said, it seems like your relationship with Catholicism is largely internal. You don't go to Mass, and I believe that you've said that you haven't been confirmed. I understand you're having a difficult time spiritually right now, but I think it would help if you spoke to a priest or spent some time uh, at your local parish. I would be- I would imagine that when something happens that causes you to question your relationship with the Church and you don't have any kind of individual or local ties to the faith, that relationship can be easier to sever. I think you may find it helpful to work to establish ties with the parish community to help reaffirm your faith. If that's something that you might be interested in, uh, I'm speaking from experience as I was raised Catholic and left the church for a number of years before returning, and those community ties are a large part of what helped me come back to the faith. I apologize for the unsolicited advice, but I didn't feel like this was something that I could just bring up to you one-on-one as I didn't want you to feel as though I was challenging you. God bless, brother. Yeah, a few people have uh, reached out to me about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean... uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't feel much, uh, in terms of challenge to basic faith kind of stuff. Like, uh, a lot of it is just discussed and, uh, disagreement and stuff with like the institutional church and stuff like that kind of thing. Now I understand that like having local links with things, uh, can make you kind of focus on that instead of the overarching thing. What I'm interested in now is more looking at religion, uh, you know, and, and, and Christianity, like more generally. And like, you know, I think that, I think when you start to, you know, there's an initial period when you're exploring faith and things like that, where it's very easy to equate the something making sense within a faith to and like being part of like an internally consistent ideology to being something that you believe yourself kind of thing, you know, like you start to read, you know, like explanations of doctrine and stuff. And you, I think that you do have like that halo effect kind of thing where you're like, okay, well, if this is the official explanation, uh, and you know, then that's why it makes sense kind of thing, kind of thing. Like it's like, yeah, you you have like a tendency towards orthodoxy. Um, at this point, 
uh, I feel like I have to kind of hash through some of the stuff that, you know, I mean, you always have these kind of like lingering questions and then you're kind of like, well, no, 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 don't worry about that right now because all of this other stuff makes sense. And then there's also like a, a huge architecture of, you know, debate between different types of churches and stuff where, you know, you have very obvious reasons why you wouldn't support another one over this one or what and stuff like that. And so I don't feel challenged in terms of faith at all. I feel like I feel, if anything, pretty more solid on in terms of faith, but I, I feel it's less attached to the Catholic Church in particular. I don't I don't feel like uh, I have any interest right now in in diving into say another denomination or something like that or or worrying a lot about this part of things like i i feel like i feel like if there's theology that kind of criticizes that and says no you have to be you know very very uh involved in one particular denomination like all the time or something like that uh i i feel like that's i'm just skeptical of that right now i don't think that that's true i think that like it's I don't know. I think it's, you know, a very, very broad faith kind of thing. And there's a lot, there's a lot, I'm sure there's a place for me to slot in. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't feel like despair about that. I feel really irritated and annoyed at a lot of Catholics that I see making sort of like, you know, a, a lot of it as, uh, I've seen, I see the debates all the time in all sorts of different directions, obviously just online and stuff, but with the sort of Catholic church, stuff in Canada right now, the way that things are going, um, you, you see people, it's, it's not even like the people that are just obviously far right idiots or something like that kind of thing, like being like, oh, you know, defending the idea that like the church, uh, you know, did good with reg residential schools or something like that kind of thing. Like, you know, it's not that it, it's, uh, it's more the people that are sort of leftish or centrist or something like that kind of thing where, they're like, well, you know, all of history is tragedy and stuff like that kind of thing. I'm like, I, I feel like it's, it's such a trite response kind of thing or something like that. Like, it's like, oh, you know, uh, we all sin and it's all like, and it's like, yeah, but come on, like, this is just the, the institution itself is pretty rotten all the way down. And uh, that's like, at the very least, we have to make that that's, that's the opening thing. We have to say, yes, this is this needs change or something like that kind of thing. It needs, it needs very radical change in terms of outlook and uh, institutional change, like actual reforming the institutions of the church itself. Not like, uh, not just it's, I don't know, like it, it is an extreme crisis. It's not like, uh, it's not something that is just like a matter of clocking in every week or something like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've had my periods of time where, you know, my faith goes up and down and uh uh you know, like the the I understand what you're saying about like there's a a difference between like the faith in the institutions and faith in like the core belief like like I feel like that relationship with God and uh the religion is sort of like almost like a uh like at its most primitive fundamental level is one of those things that it's, that's different. You know, I, I think sure. you can, you can pretty easily have a solid footing there and then be trying to figure out like, well, how do I relate to the, you know, the, the more human aspect of this where like sure. it's, it's people trying to put things together and stuff, mm -hmm. you know? 
So, um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things like it, it takes a little bit of time and, and, uh, and whatnot. And you just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not too worried about you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to keep reading about different things and debating with people and stuff like discussing and seeing where it goes and stuff. But I just don't, I feel like it was a mistake to get too deep into like the Catholic memes kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like to, <laughs> to get too much into the joking around about it and stuff, because it does become one of those things where people expect you to sort of defend the church as a whole. Um, in different ways and people do lean into that sometimes but i just have no interest in that right now at all so i'd rather take some distance and then see where it happens so yeah yeah um i i like i don't know how long it's been it's been a few years at least like I, i've kind of taken a step back from like muslim twitter generally sure. and everything it's yeah. kind of never much of a positive thing i mean it was met some nice people for sure uh, and you know, I still talk to a lot of them, but like, it's uh, like just the general kind of conversations that go on. Like it's a lot of people who are very insecure or they're very like dogmatic and not really interested in like he hearing anybody else out or anything like that. It's just, a, I don't know. It's not a very conducive. I, I think this is true for pretty much any kind of like community like this on, on uh, social media, mm -hmm. whether it's like religious or political or any kind of thing, like it just it's not uh it, it definitely shouldn't be your like go-to community for sure something you know yeah um so i think that i think that i take that point from the question like i think that's true i think that what i'll probably do is uh once i start getting back out into the world kind of thing from lockdown and stuff which is slowly ending here then um you know i'll take that advice to some extent but it'll probably be just with like friends that I know in the religion and things like that then not as much like uh, I don't feel much interest in just going into the institutional church right now so yeah sure yeah I yeah. thought it was a nice question yeah. or yeah I've or had a, I've had a few people ask the same thing so it's good to just give a little bit of an answer so yeah yeah um yeah so I, I guess I could do it sure yep okay cool yeah so that, that'll do it for uh for this episode guys uh hope you enjoyed listening to it if you want to hear a second episode of you can't win every week you can get that by subscribing to our patreon where you'll get that as well as access to our discord where you can chat with us in our lovely community and if you want to send in some questions anonymously you can find a curious cat link by going to the twitter account which is at you can't win pod and you'll find it there uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys.